Hey everybody, welcome to Origin Story, an all-star comics podcast special that focuses on a one-on-one interview about the host from the show. You can get this show a month early by going to patreon.com slash all-star comics podcast and subscribing to the $5 tier or higher. You can get it normally by just subscribing to any podcast service of your choice. So this show is meant to take a deep dive into the origin story of the cast you know from the show, whether it be comics or any other nerdy thing that inspires them or us or he or she, whatever it is. Not only to get to know us a little bit better, but discuss one of our favorite art forms, comics. So today, I'm your host, Matt Lubick, not Jonathan Cote. And joining me today is Larry Douglas. Hey, everybody. How's it going, Larry? Going good, thank you. All right, so if anyone doesn't know, Larry does our uh, stingers at the end of every weekly episode of Multiversity... Multiverse... What? Multiversity University. Multiversity University. That's such a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Blame Jonathan for yeah. that. It was his. It was his idea. Yeah. So no, and it's like if anyone is interested in what that show is or wasn't aware that it's at the end of our show, it's basically like a oral history of the comics past, right? Yes. Kind of. Yeah. We uh, we started way back. I mean, going all the way back to uh, around 1500 with the early history of comic strips. And right now we've gone up through at least the ones we've recorded. They haven't all yeah. been uh, uh, released on on the shows yet, but we've recorded up through 1963, uh, basically. So we're into uh, the uh, the meat of the Silver Age at this point. So that's a good little topic right there the silver age it's where most things we love and enjoy are from that time period i think yeah right? definitely that's where they uh, that's where they have their roots and so i would say um if yeah it's like a 15 10 to 15 minute show um we get together i don't know every couple months we knock them all out if you're on patreon you get them all early and so it's, it's a fun little thing we do so um larry first question of the night here uh tell me about yourself Who, who's larry douglas <laughs> okay well um I'm a, uh, I don't know, a typical child of uh, suburban Orange County uh, growing up there in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. Uh, I grew up in Orange County back in the day when Orange County was still mostly orange groves. Hence uh, the name Orange County. Yes, a lot of people uh, today don't really realize how rural Orange County was. Right. And my parents did not buy a house in Orange County because they had so much money they bought a house in orange county because believe it or not that's where the cheap housing was because wow, that's changed yeah, it was it was considered an outlying area um my parents first house was in buena park and uh, actually really close to knott's berry farm um, and we lived on the last paved street in wow. buena park everything past us was actually dairies and wow. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, grew up, lived in Buena Park, lived in uh, lived in Orange uh, for a while, okay. just a couple of miles from Angel Stadium. Uh, I was actually, gonna say, if anyone unfamiliar with Orange County, that's where Anaheim is and Disneyland and all that. Yes. So anyone from around the country, that's the area we're talking about. <laughs> yep. Lived just a couple of miles down the road from Disneyland, and was actually living there when Angel Stadium got built. Um, and uh, actually lived at that time in a. Uh, hence the name Orange County again, <laughs> in a neighborhood where we were surrounded by orange groves, actually. Yeah, that's um, cool. Then we moved to Westminster, and again, just showing how rural Orange County still was, even in the late 60s, uh, just 
over our back fence was a strawberry farm. And That's, so whenever, uh, whenever they crazy. were picking the strawberries, my yeah. mom would, uh, would give my brother and I some money and we would hop our fence and we'd go and just buy them right off the truck. And like, what were we talking, like 50 cents? Like, what were we, like how much? Um, we could get them for $3 for an entire flat of That's strawberries. Good. That's so <laughs> that was about a basket that today would cost you a few bucks. We would get for basically about a quarter a piece. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, a lot of fruit. Uh, so grew up in Orange County at a time when it was rural. And um, uh, as I grew up, I decided that I wanted to be a teacher, a math teacher. Uh, but I had the uh, misfortune of going to college at a time when there was actually that glut of teachers in California. Huh. And so I was convinced to not become a teacher. Um, I ended up, uh, after graduating from college, did a number of different things. I actually worked in construction for 11 years as an wow. estimator. Okay. So I was the person that would look at plans and go to job sites and decide how much something should Estimate cost to things. build. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, decide how much something should cost and uh, bid on it. Okay. Um, then I spent five years managing a grocery store. Oh, that's um, kind of cool. Yeah. No, it wasn't cool. No. <laughs> of, of the many jobs that I have had, that was the one I actually hated the that's most. A, yes. It's, it's, it's very tedious from what I understand. Yes. It yeah. pays well. Yeah. I will say that it does pay well, but uh, I just got uh, really sick of it. There's I mean, a lot I was going on. There's a lot going on. I was working like 90 hours a week. It was yeah, just, sounds uh, about right. It was crazy. <laughs> Um, and then uh, that spurred me to go ahead and go back to my earlier dream of becoming a, a math teacher. Yeah. And so uh, I ended up uh, going back to school, getting a credential. Uh, Never too up, late to go back to school. <laughs> right. I uh, was, you know, going to school at night, um, you know, and doing that. Uh, ended up uh, becoming a, at first, a sixth grade teacher. Uh, so I was actually teaching all subjects. Um, and... Uh, a lot of people thought that I was crazy because when I took that job as a sixth grade teacher, it cut my pay in half from what I had been making as a grocery store manager. Ouch, that probably hurt really bad. <laughs> it, you know, it did, uh, but I was a lot happier. Uh, my wife it. was yeah. a lot happier because I was happier. My yeah. kids were a lot happier because I was actually around the house and they actually saw me occasionally, uh, which is something that they didn't. I, I, mean, I spent about a five-year period where I was managing the grocery store where my kids hardly ever saw me. And, it was worth um, it. So it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were. We had a much happier family life uh, after That's that. Good. So um, enjoy that. And that was uh, 22 years ago, and I've been Teacher teaching ever, ever since. since then. Wow. Okay. Uh, I did end up becoming, getting my dream of being a math teacher. I taught sixth grade for four years. Um, and they kept asking me, well, are you interested in moving up to teaching junior high or high school? And I kept saying, yeah. only if a math position would open up. Not I'd for be another interested. subject. Or right. Um, even though there are other subjects I love, but math is one that I really thought I could do a good job teaching. Now, how does that work? If you're getting your teacher credential, like, can you only teach one subject? Or like, if they're asking you to teach multiple things, if you're not informed on those subjects, can you do that? Right. Well, it depends. Uh. Well, um, because my first position was as a sixth grade teacher in what we call a self-contained classroom, okay. meaning that I was teaching all the subjects and have the same mm. kids all day long, gotcha. um, I got what's called a multiple subjects credential, mm. uh, which authorizes you. Actually, a lot of people don't, they think it's for teaching elementary school and basically yeah. it is. But what a lot of people don't realize is that under the laws, at least in California, mm. um, if you have a multiple subjects credential, you can actually teach any grade, kindergarten through 12th grade, as long as it's a self-contained classroom. Oh, you can wow. actually, with a multiple subjects credential, teach high school seniors as long as you are teaching the same students all day long and mm. you're teaching them all the different subjects. 
That's very interesting. Right. Now, well, if you want to teach in a single subject environment, basically yeah. if you want to teach junior high or high school where you're only teaching one subject. Right, like math or something. Right. Yeah. Then you need a single subject credential. Okay. Uh, so what I ended up doing was uh, once you have a multiple subject credential, it's not that hard to get a single subject. All you have hmm. to do is go back to school and take one class. It's a class oh, wow. called single subject education. <laughs> where Self-explanatory right yeah, there. <laughs> where it just focuses on on uh, on how you how you teach when you're not teaching the same kids all day long but how you teach when you have different groups of kids right. rotating you know in your class and gotcha. teaching the same subject all day right because that gets very dull I'm sure like the same lesson plan every single like it two can. hours or whatever it is you know it can yes yeah. so um, so I got my single subject credential and then moved up to teach math there was a junior high math position open at the school that I was at and so I went ahead and took that and um, and have since taught just uh, junior high or high school math uh, ever ever since then so my now, first four years of teaching were the multiple subjects then the last 18 years had just been math what do you prefer junior high or high school um Honestly, uh, even though I'm currently teaching junior high, I really love yeah. teaching high school. And Something about the kids, just mm. well, not only the kids but yeah. the subject. Because okay. when I was when I was teaching high school, I actually was teaching AP calculus and AP statistics. And okay, those are college level courses, right? And those are two subjects that. I, two parts of math that I just really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, calculus, I love because of the logic associated with calculus. I mean, okay. a lot of people, actually my son even told me this one time when he was taking calculus, I used to talk about the beauty of calculus and the logic behind it. Okay. And my son, uh, who's, you know, he's decent in math, but, uh, you know, always, you know, had a little bit harder time with it sometimes. That's me. <laughs> uh, when uh, when he took calculus in uh, in college, he came to me one day and said, "Now I understand what you were talking about with the beauty of the logic of calculus." Yeah, sure. But then <laughs> statistics is just fun because right. there are so many things, so many statistics going, you know, that people are collecting all the time that you can talk Any about. Any given thing. <laughs> right. And uh, I especially love uh, being able to talk about the really lousy statistics that are out there, okay. uh, where they're statistics that are really meaningless for what people are actually, the uses they're putting them to. Um, probably one of my favorite things that ever happened was uh, I had a, a parent of one of my students when I was teaching stats. And she came to me one day and said, you know, Mr. Douglas, you've, uh, you've really ruined my TV watching. And I said, well, how have I ruined your TV watching? And she said, well, my daughter's in your statistics class. Uh -huh. And she said, she and I used to really enjoy sitting down and watching certain kinds of shows together. And they okay. were like, um, like not not fiction shows, but they liked watching nonfiction stuff. And they would watch a lot of stuff having to do with, you know, medicine, doctors, and, you know, different things like okay. that. And more she said, documentary, reality TV stuff. Okay. Yeah. More documentary type stuff, you know, Dr. Oz or, you know, whatever it might gotcha. be. Really? And yes. And she said, uh -huh. but now when we sit down and watch those shows, my daughter starts telling me all the things that are, <laughs> were, all the mistakes that were made in the studies that they're citing to back up their uh, to back up their claims, and That's she says, funny. and so now it's not as much fun yeah. as it used to be. It's like this isn't real. Like, come right. on, right? Yeah. No, so, uh, so that was a lot of fun. So I really enjoyed that. So I'm not sure if it's so much the kids I like better, but I really liked those subjects. So, okay. and um, the, well, they're a little more mature, right? From they are seventh grade to tenth grade, you know, right? Like, and so exactly when the school that I was teaching at actually closed down, um, and I got 
got offered this position teaching seventh grade. So I went from basically teaching calculus um, to uh, teaching seventh graders. So now I'm I'm back to teaching things like how to multiply fractions and you know I was things say, is like that. Pre-algebra? Is it what's what is uh, it? It's 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 pre-pre-algebra, <laughs> pre-pre-algebra really. Wow, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so it's different. I mean, I enjoy it, and I I've actually taught junior high for more of my career than I've taught yeah. high school. But those six years that I taught high school, I really loved. Maybe one day you'll, you'll get to go back. <laughs> right. I was once asked uh, by someone actually at the school I'm at now if yeah. you could what would be your dream job and i said my dream job would be to go back and teach calculus and statistics because i just love those oh all right that that's a good story all right so we're going to shift gears a little bit here so uh the oh, big I question. should point out. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, to interrupt. Go, go. Should point out that I'm married. Been married for 36 <laughs> yeah, years. That's important. Yes. <laughs> don't miss um, that. <laughs> no, I don't want to miss that. And I have a wife who herself does not read comics, but is very understanding of me doing that. Um, and uh, I have two kids. I did mention my son. Yeah. Uh, my my kids are both though adults and and live on their own. They're my son just turned 30. My daughter's 33, and my daughter has also provided me with two great grandkids. Oh, not wow. great grandkids, but great. Grandchildren, amazing, amazing grandkids. <laughs> yes, uh, a granddaughter who's five and a grandson who's three, and they're both really smart. That's uh, good. Yeah, really smart for their ages. Way beyond, at least intellectually, way beyond uh, what you would normally expect at their age. So get um, them that math early. You that, know? <laughs> well, actually, uh, my my granddaughter started on her own figuring out how to do addition, uh, oh. like when she was like three years old. That's good. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, she's uh, like, she's up there. I, I see you doing the math. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So, yeah, this is the big question that I ask everybody, as you know. So how did you discover Horizon Comics? Well, um, actually, the thing that brought me into Horizon Comics uh, was the New 52. 2011. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was when I came here. Um a lot of times when people ask me how long have I been reading or collecting comics, I say, well, you know, since I was a little kid, like since I was seven or eight. I think that's for most people, yeah. <laughs> right. But what I don't usually mention is that over the years, I've kind of been in and out of comics. You know, that yeah. I read comics for a while, then there were times when I wasn't reading them, and then I came back in, then went back out. And um, and for a while, I was uh, I was out of comics. I mean, a lot of it was... Uh, was financial. I was actually working at a private school, and uh, private schools don't pay real well. So, uh, every, we uh, the were, income is set based on students. Yeah. So, so we, uh, you know, just didn't have that much extra money to be mm. able for me to indulge in something like that. I mean, if we did sure. have extra money to do something fun, we did it with the kids and, and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, but by 2011, I was now working at a school where I was actually, uh, you know, making quite a bit more money. I actually had a 45% pay raise from what I'd been making before. Wow. That's really good. Um, my wife had also, she's also a teacher. She teaches kindergarten, um, which by the way is extremely scary. I have helped in her classroom on occasion. (laughs) There's kids everywhere. (laughs) Oh, she, she says, I don't understand how you work with those junior high and high school kids. And I'm like, I don't understand how you work with those kindergartners. At that age, they're monsters. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. Well, just just trying to get them to walk in a line, you know? know, and and when she tells me things like she comes home and tells me stories about kids that you know pooped in their pants and stuff, and I'm like, you know what? Twenty two years, I've never had a kid poop <laughs> his pants, at least not that I knew about. Well, she must have so much patience too. Just oh, to do it. oh my gosh, yes, yes. I mean, that's where real teaching goes on, <laughs> if you be honest. In in that kindergarten oh. level, it is crazy, but. Um, 
but in any case, we were in a position where we were, you know, a little bit better off. And yeah. I had, and I just happened to see an article in, in the newspaper oh, about wow. the fact that DC was, you know, rebooting their universe or doing this new 52 thing. And I said to my wife, you know, um, would it be okay with you if I started getting back into oh, comics? Pick and, and, up a and, couple and, issues, see what's right. going on. She, and she knew I loved comics. I had this collection that I'd been dragging around in every house we lived in, you know. Your, and, your boxes of old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and she was actually even the one that designed the inventory system that I use. Right, because uh, every comic it. issue you buy, you keep track of what I it do. is, right? Yeah, <laughs> and she's the one that designed that for me. And uh, so she was always, you know, real, uh, uh, you know, in... I don't know if say in favor, but she was always cool with me. Right. You know, the hobby aspect, the of hobby it, not aspect, the, yeah. the reading, yeah. Um, but even the reading, she she was okay with that. So when I asked, you know, hey, what do you th- what would you think? Would you be okay with that? Um, she was like, yeah, you know, go for. It. I know it's something that you love. You know, give it a shot. Sure. So um, I didn't know anything about Horizon Comics. So the first thing I did, actually, I was I was teaching in Santa Clarita at the time. Okay. For those not familiar with this area, Santa Clarita is about an hour away from the Antelope Valley. Well, depending on what side you're on. It could be 30 minutes if you're lucky. <laughs> yes. Um, the part that I was on was about, about a 50-minute drive. Yeah, it gets bad. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, and there was a comic shop just down the street from the school. So mm. uh, I stopped in there one day to see what you know New 52 stuff they had. Yeah. And they didn't have a whole lot. Um, and the thing about that shop was that it was really more of a shop for gamers than it was mm. for comics. And the reason I say more of a shop for gamers is not because they necessarily sold that much gaming stuff. It was because the people who worked at the shop, it was hard to get their attention off of their games long enough to have them actually ring up a purchase for you. Yeah, that reminds you somewhere else (laughs) so um so i so i did buy a few comics there but i was like i'm not going back here they're just not helpful right and by the second year i was at the school the shop was closed anyway uh no surprise there okay but um that's weird because that's such a lucrative quote-unquote rich area you know yeah so but i think but there was a couple of other shops in that area that um that i I are better i just didn't know about them at the time yeah yeah so then of course uh living here in the antelope valley i did what everyone else does i went to (laughs) The uh, the big competitor, yeah. bases. If we're allowed to mention that, I think I've heard it before. Dun dun dun! Yes, <laughs> and um, and I actually did end up getting a lot of new Fifty Two stuff there. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was a little unethical, but. I guess I wanted it bad enough. I was okay with it. Uh, I went in there. They're not very helpful there either. Usually they're not. (laughs) But I I went in there and um, I think maybe because I was the only person there at the time and the guy who was working was maybe a little bit bored. He actually asked me if uh, I needed any help. um, (laughs) What? Yeah. I've been in there a few times. That's probably the only time that ever happened. Um, And and I told him I was looking for it. I was looking for this DC New 52 stuff. And he said, well, actually we don't have anymore we've sold out of it he said but i have a customer who um who ordered a bunch of the number ones from the new 52s and he hasn't picked them up for a couple of weeks so if you want i'll just sell you the ones that (laughs) that that's unethical (laughs) so it was unethical but um you know i was able to stretch my ethics enough to uh, (laughs) go ahead and this guy won't worry yeah so uh so i went ahead and bought those and do you uh, think any of those are worth anything those new 52 number ones um, I, I think Batman number one is, the and Snyder, I think, yeah. yeah, I think Justice League number one Jeff is Johns, as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, the rest of them, you know, not so okay, much. Okay, so then doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but um, then you know, not knowing what else to do, I actually uh, uh, took the extreme step of going to Barnes and Noble, seeing what was there, and they actually had a few issues there as well. 
Um, but I was still short. I had I had looked at what all the issues were going to be. They have singles at Barnes and Noble. They they did at that time huh. anyway. Yeah, it's crazy. It was they it was they were just mixed in with the magazines. Oh yeah, okay. okay. And so uh, so hmm. then I started. Uh, I thought well. I, but there were some I still hadn't gotten. Yeah. And so what I did was... Were you trying to get all of them? I wasn't trying to get all of them, but there were certain ones I definitely wanted, and I didn't have all of those. So I ended up... um, I ended up just going online and looking for comic shops near me, and this one little shop called Horizon Comics I'd never heard of popped up. And I thought, you know what? A lot of times when I've done this, the shops (laughs) that have come up, they're not even in business anymore. They've been out of business for years. That's probably the case with this one. Let's go check it out. Just see what's going on. Yeah, but I'm going to go see. And and so I went there, and sure enough, it was actually here. How about that? uh, (laughs) And so uh, Roger was, uh, I I told him what I was looking for and and what I had already. Uh And and, uh, he was extremely helpful in getting me the stuff that I wanted. Um, We're not just saying that because he's standing in the room. No, I'm not saying that because he's standing in the room. He was extremely helpful, even ordered uh, some that I had missed that, you know, had already yeah. sold out of their first printing. And, uh, but the other thing that was cool about this shop was that Roger not only, uh, you know, was willing to sell me comics, but he actually wanted to talk about them. Yeah. And so, uh, because I had been out of comics for a while, for example, I hadn't read the, uh, the Flashpoint story ah, and a lot of the Flashpoint yeah. stuff really led into the new 52. Yep. So well, Jeff Johns um, are, you know, <laughs> exactly. So Roger was talking to me all about the Flashpoint stuff and he even gave me free of charge, a Flashpoint number five. Um, because because he was telling me that some of the stuff in that in Flashpoint number five tied in with some of the number one issues, like there were people that showed up in the backgrounds of some of the panels that were part of that right. Flashpoint uh, story, like timeline thing, yeah. realities, whatever it exactly. is. Exactly, you know? and so that was really cool. So here was a place that not only could I come to buy comics and someone who would actually be helpful in finding the stuff that I wanted, uh, but someone who actually enjoyed talking about them. And so it was really, uh, it was more like being part of a community, not just yeah. coming to a shop. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm going into the Walmart of comics and I'm going to buy some comics and, you know, nobody, you know, gives a rip whether I show yeah. up or not. You right. Know, the people was, here are invested. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I also met other people who'd come into the shop and we'd get to talking and it was just a great place to, uh, to not just buy comics, but to hang out and talk to people about the stuff you've been reading, the stuff yeah. they've been reading. And, and, uh, so, uh, so it's just a great place to be. And the other thing too, is that over the years, uh, Roger has, well, Roger really gets to know his customers. Very much so. And so he really knows what his customers will like. Yeah. And as a result, there are things that Roger has recommended to me that I never would have thought of picking up on my own. Same. And yet I, I, I can't think of a single thing that Roger recommended to me that I, I read and said, no, nah, this isn't for me. Everything he's ever recommended fit right in with the stuff that I like. And yeah. he's never really, and I know there's probably, there's things that Roger likes that I don't care for and things yeah. that I like Vice that he versa. doesn't care yeah. for. But he knows what I like, and he's able to say, "Yeah, I think this is something you should read because I think you yeah. would really like." I this. would agree with. I think there might out of he's probably recommend me ten different things. I maybe didn't like one of them. Yeah, out of ten, like it's, it's pretty good. Like, he, yeah, he gets to know you pretty well. Exactly. Okay, so then we're gonna. You can take this either. Well, you kind of already answered this from like more current 
finding the shop and whatnot. So back, for, let's back it up to when you were a kid. You said, um, when did you get into comics? And kind of tell that whole thing. You said you were oh, seven sure. or eight. You know, well, actually, I was a little bit younger than okay. that when I first started reading them. Um, my uh, my mom had a younger brother, uh, seven years younger than her, uh, who enjoyed reading comics when he was a kid and um, he especially enjoyed reading uh, and he and he was would have been reading during the atomic age uh, wow. so uh, and his was a lot of DC superheroes so especially a lot of Superboy um, <laughs> okay and but he did something that was kind of unusual he would have been reading comics between about 1949 and 1955 wow but he did something really unusual for that time he actually kept his comics of course well that fit in with him he I, I, I think he he kept stuff that was valuable to him. And so he had all kinds of old books and things like that throughout his life, but he had kept his comics and, uh, and he'd kept them in really good condition. And so what he would do is, um, as the younger brother, he was the, uh, he was the youngest of five in my mom's family. Okay, okay. Um, so because all of his siblings were substantially older than him, my mom was his closest sibling in age and she was my, seven years yeah, older than seven him. years. That's right. So a lot of his, uh, you know, his siblings, when he was reading comics, were already married and having kids and things like that. And what he would do when we would go over to visit uh, is that he would let his nieces and nephews read his comic books. And, uh, and so that was my first experience reading comic books was the ones that he let me, uh, would let us read when we went over to visit him. And I really enjoyed them. Yeah. Now, there is a tragic story in all this. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> What happened is that after a few years, and this would have been around the time that I was about seven, so this would have been 1962. Okay. okay. Uh, one time he told my mom, he said, you know, of all of my nieces and nephews, Larry is the only one who, you know, is, really likes these comics and he's really into them. Yeah. And he said, so the next time you guys come over, I'm going to give him my, you know, all my comics. Okay. Um, Sounds good. Now, of course, this is at a time when they weren't really worth that much. Sure. And uh, they were cheap to buy anyway. Or what? Yeah. At, relatively at the time, cheap to buy. Right. So, um, but, you know, I would have loved having them. Well, before I got over there to get them, I oh. had uh, a, a couple of cousins that were over there. And without my uncle's knowledge, and by the way, these cousins' name are Sherry and Susie, if you're listening. I know you're not, but I just want you to know I'm still a little bit, a little bit bitter. I'm salty about that. Right. Even though it was uh, 56 years ago, it still hurts a little. Um, I still feel it. <laughs> yes. What they did is without my uncle's knowledge, they got his comic books out and started playing with them no, with no. a water hose. Oh, no. <laughs> and basically completely ruined them. Yeah. So Paper and water don't go together. Exactly. Uh, so he ended up having to just throw them away. Uh, uh, I mean, they were just completely destroyed and he wasn't yeah. able to give them to me. At the time... I was disappointed that I hadn't gotten those right. comics. What I, are the I, odds of that? They're like the right as you're on your way to go get them. Yeah. I'm like, jeez. Um, so I was a little disappointed, but you know, I, I, I was a kid. I was like, you oh, know, yeah. okay, it's you know, it, it's okay. Um, and it was shortly after that that I started, you know, buying my own comics. Sure. Um, now. Years later, when I got into collectible comics and I began seeing how much it would be to replace the comics that um, that my uncle had lost, um, I became more upset. Yeah. So actually, it was a delayed reaction. It took me about 15 years to start getting really annoyed. But 15 years later, I was really pissed. So in your early 20s, you're like, 
oh, those were could have been worth a lot of money now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, plus the other thing is that, um, you know, my uncle has since passed away. And, right. uh, you know, having some of that stuff that was, uh, you know, mementos of his childhood, stuff that really meant something to him, you know, yeah. it would have been really cool to have those. Yeah, of course. Okay. That's actually a pretty good story. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone has anything better than that so far an origin story, but, um, okay. So we did, uh, when did you get into comics? So then as of now, what would you say are some of your favorite comic genres? Well, um, superheroes, of course. I mean, that's when I like to consider all superheroes are technically sci-fi. That's like, that's all just a subgenre of sci-fi. Uh, you could consider, consider them like that, but, um, uh, I mean, superheroes are what got right. me into comics in the first place, Everyone. and you know, in the silver, starting in 1963 when I was buying my own comics, that those were the ones I bought. Yeah. Um, but other than that, um, uh, I really do like science fiction. Uh, and don't we all? <laughs> yeah, love science fiction. Um, but you know what? I I would say that I'm not so much uh, stuck on particular genres mm-hmm. as. Uh, is I just like good stories, gotcha. and so um, fantasy. I, I, I do day, like fantasy. Sci-fi. Science fiction and fantasy yeah. are ones that I tend to yeah. kind of gravitate towards. But um, I mean, I'm not necessarily a big horror comic person. Horror, okay. But if there's a good story and it just happens to be a horror comic, yeah. I'm cool with that. Something I'll like read American it. Vampire or something like that. Yeah, right? something yeah. like that. And and so there are some great stories out there from all kinds of you know from all different genres Everything, and so yeah. if it's a if it's a good story that's what oh, i'm gotcha. going to uh to gravitate towards okay. no matter the genre but that, if i had to pick my top idea. ones yeah superhero sci-fi, sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy would be the yeah. top ones that i actually I think read most people would tend to have a similar top yeah, three or four so. yeah no no big surprises there yeah. <laughs> um and if you're johnny it's just all kid stuff <laughs> all right so then um we're going to like maybe do a little 180 here. Well, uh, what are some things that you've been standing out that you've been reading lately? Okay. Well, I have to say that I haven't been doing much reading lately, so I'm I'm pretty far behind. Okay. Uh but I can give you some of the stuff that um uh, somewhat recently, right? Um, I mean, some of the stuff that I really loved, and this is not going to be any surprise. Cause I've heard these mentioned by many people <laughs> yeah. on here, like East of West, great uh, a great one that, uh, again, one that Roger recommended to me. Uh, yeah. uh, Black Monday Murders, of course, fantastic. A seven to eternity was one. Oh, I love um, Rick Remender. He's so good. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of Rick Remender, Low really Me and love you Low. Are the only people that love Low? <laughs> Low is so good. It is. Although I I can't rem- remember how long it's been since one's come out. It's the artist. I think Matteo Scalera. Like uh-huh. right. It just he takes forever, but yeah. his art is so good. It is. It's that great. story is so good. Just not enough people are into that book. No, I, I think I, I more agree. people got into that book. It might they'd be like, okay, we need to ship this faster. But yeah. It's so good. Um, so so that's good, and uh, you know a, a lot of the rebirth, a lot of the DC rebirth stuff, I really enjoyed, yeah. um, and uh, especially the as has been mentioned many times, the Tomasi Gleason run of Superman, I think was fantastic. It's a classic, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, so that's some of the stuff I've been reading that uh, uh, that I really liked. Another one that I really liked for different reasons, mm-hmm. and I was really sorry it was canceled. I know, of course, they got the the mini series going mm-hmm. on or the maxi series, whatever you want to call it, was Super Sons because oh, that was yeah. a that was a real different feel to it. And the thing I think I loved about it, um, every time I read it, 
it gave me the feeling like I was reading a Silver Age comic. Not that the stories were like Silver Age stories or that like it read like the it was cheesy dated. And stuff, yeah. yeah, but just the 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 whole feeling, the kind of feel good atmosphere of it, the, the emotional value, um, kind yeah, of, yeah, the the kind of lighthearted nature of of the whole thing really was uh, was kind of a fun fun just thing like, to read. Has that uplifting nature, from what I understand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. It was just it was a fun comic to read, and so uh, so I really enjoyed that. I mean, if it's not fun. You're, you're not doing it right, you know? <laughs> now, one that I didn't hear anybody talking about, I was really into this, um, okay. but but the writers did kind of upset me. Uh, oh. So this is a couple of years ago now. Okay. Uh, was Invisible Republic. Um, oh. this was I've a seen fan- that book. That, this is a fantastic story. Who's that by? Um, it was by uh, Gabriel Hardman and uh, um, Corinne Bechko. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, husband and wife, um, writer, artist team. Okay. It was a great story. Um, and uh, it was a lot of, it was basically, it was it was science fiction in nature, but it was really more a political intrigue story. Hmm. Uh, and it was uh, a, really a story about, um, about how people rise to power and then how they try to essentially change the narrative of things. And it kind of the, the whole point of the story was that a, uh, on a, a colony, a human colony on some far off solar system, um, a, uh, a guy named Arthur McBride had risen to power and basically become the dictator of this, of this moon. And, okay. um, and the story starts taking place right after his government has fallen. Oh. Um, and there's all this chaos going on. There are, um, you know, people from Earth coming and trying to, you know, put things back together. And, Interesting. Um, Sci-fi. Right. But <laughs> one of the things that has happened is that uh, one of the people that helped him rise to power uh, was a cousin of his who um, became sort of disenchanted uh, What because, uh, you know, once he rose to power, he... Um, as often happens with dictators, they kind of forget all the principles that they were supposedly coming to power on. And it's just all about, you know, staying in power. And so essentially he had managed to kind of erase her memory from all the history books. And so, uh, and and so there's this whole intrigue going on there and it was just a great story. Was it, it finished? Is it done? Was it a No, it no? didn't finish. Here, here, here's where <laughs> the writers pissed me off. Uh, um, after the 2016 election, the last issue that they put out, which which came out right after the election, they sure. said, well, basically, they said they were so upset with Trump getting elected that they just couldn't continue. And so they just dropped it. That's <laughs> right. That's in the an even better reason to keep doing <laughs> yeah. it. Like, what, what, <laughs> and I was looking at that and saying, a lot of this seems to fit right in with stuff that goes on here. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, no. America's becoming a fascist nation. And so, therefore, we can't write this anymore. That, I was that like, seems like a better reason to <laughs> keep writing it instead of stop writing exactly. it. Exactly. Like, it was, but whatever. So, whatever. so they, okay. they kind of annoyed me with that. But that if you ever get annoying. a chance to, to read what they did put out, and I hope maybe someday they'll pick it up and continue it. That sounds really interesting yeah it was a really interesting story okay so then those are some of the things you've been reading lately um how often do you normally read in general um i i don't really have a regular schedule um what would happen just because of my schedule with teaching and everything like that generally what would tend to happen is that i would get my pulls and my stack would 
build up and get really big. <laughs> uh, and then at some point, I'd say, you know what? I need to start reading some of this stuff. <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. I, I would it. sit down over like, a, you know, a, a break maybe over a winter break <clears throat> or a spring break, something like that. And, you know, read through a bunch of stuff. And, you know, and gone. Yeah. right, kind of get caught <laughs> up. And uh, then it would build up again. So it was it was real hit and miss in terms of my <laughs> actual reading. Okay. Not like a weekly day where you're just like, okay, it's reading time. Or no. Yeah. Now, there would be times... Um, where I would I would often actually bring comics with me when I was going different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I had a doctor's appointment, I'd, I'd bring some comics with me okay. so that if I had or to wait trade or something, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I had to wait, I could start doing some reading. If I was uh, if I was traveling anywhere, I'd bring comics with me. So if I'm in the hotel at night, and, grab you know, a book. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> grab a book. I'd rather do that than watch TV. So that oh, was yeah. where I got actually got a lot of my reading done. But again, it yeah. was kind of it was kind of hit and miss. Now there were certain ones that if I really was into them, um, it's like then, your favorite series. Yeah, right, they, they got to out. the top of my list when low came out oh, every time low yeah. came out that was i i read that didn't matter you know didn't matter if i had some other comic that i hadn't read the last seven issues i was gonna low. read the newest <laughs> issue of low low is that good people get on it <laughs> it is okay now this is kind of an interesting one because i know you've been going through some changes right now so what does your collection currently look like my collection currently consists of 23 long boxes a um uh, one short box and one magazine box. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's... Uh, it was a little bit bigger, right? Not too I, long I ago. don't know exactly. I have to go back and look and see how many comics, but it's it's over 6,000. Wow. Whew. And they're all cataloged. Oh, they're all cataloged. They're all you catalog. bet. Cataloged, graded. Now, where do you keep these 23-plus boxes? <laughs> well, I happen to live in a house that has, uh, you've probably seen some of these, that has a storage area that goes underneath the stairs. Oh, and that's so, a good spot. <laughs> uh, it is a good spot because uh, that area tends to stay really uh, consistent in terms of its temperature. Yep. Uh, and uh, they're in the dark. Yep. Uh, so no I, light damage. Right. So no I can go damage. in there and, uh, and you know, pull them out as I as I want to. You um, can fit 20. This must be a big staircase. 23 long boxes. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it's a pretty big area. It is <laughs> oh, a big area. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. And I even, I even still have room for the vacuum cleaner and some suitcases. <laughs> and uh, That's a big area. And a few wow. other things that actually block the comics. So if anyone ever broke into my house to steal my comics, they'd have to move go the through vacuum. a lot of stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to move the vacuum in the suitcases. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, we talked about some series and what you're reading and whatnot. So currently or in the past uh what have been or what are some of your favorite comic characters okay um well i'm gonna say that first of all uh like jonathan um superman has always been my favorite character sure uh that was who i that was my favorite character growing up i mean when my uncle was letting me read his comics it was a lot of superboy and superman comics yeah um plus uh i also grew up watching uh, they were in reruns at this point, but I grew up watching the old black and white 1950s um, uh, George Reeves Superman serial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I shouldn't say ser- series. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, you know, Superman was always a, uh, you know, was always a big one to me. But Batman was mm-hmm. always a close second as well. Well, the two um, most popular characters in the world. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and I was around when, when the 1966 Batman show came on. I was a loyal <laughs> viewer. Adam West, right? Adam yeah. West, yeah. It was, uh, it was great. It was just <laughs> so hilarious. Yeah. Uh, was it supposed to be funny? at the time it or? it was actually it was? Okay. It, it was well it was the the word that was the one where they really came up with the word campy where <laughs> it was like 
it was supposed to be corny and funny, but at the same time, it was supposed to look like you weren't trying to be funny, like you were trying to be serious. Okay. But but it worked. It really yeah, worked. It worked. Yeah. It's, you so, can still uh, go back and watch them now. Like, it's like, okay, yeah. they're all right. But in addition to that, um, as someone who's really interested in the history of comics, I really always have a soft spot in my heart for uh, for those characters who were pioneers in some way. Like, I love the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Not that I have a huge number of Fantastic Four comics in my collection. I don't. But because of their importance to comic history and, and to Marvel, the Marvel universe, uh, yeah. you know, that has always been one of my favorite characters. Um, like Jonathan, I love the original, the, the OG Captain Marvel, who we now have to call Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, love that character. Um, there are, though, some other characters that I have really enjoyed, which are maybe um, not as well known. This would kind of go in with some series um, that I have enjoyed as well. Um, one writer that I really miss is, is J. Michael Straczynski. Mm, yeah. uh, he wrote some really good stuff, but he came up with some really memorable characters. Um, for example, in his uh, series Sidekick, uh, Flyboy. That was uh, okay. a really, uh, a really amazing character. Plus, another one he wrote, uh, "The Adventures of Apocalypse Al." Apocalypse Al was Apocalypse really uh, was a was a really great character. So, uh, so okay. there are some of those I like okay. too. But I've always too had a uh, a fondness for kind of the B list or C list or maybe even D list characters. The, I don't the know. Not in the limelight, right? Right. Yeah. Um, like for some reason, I've always really had a thing for Dead Man. I mean, that's like a C-lister right there. Yeah, yeah. I've always, I've always loved Dead Man. Um, I don't think this would be a C-lister, but, um, but I've always really liked Swamp Thing. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, I loved the Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Yeah. Uh, so definitely B-listers. Are there. you excited for the new series that they're going to get of that? Um, like the TV show. I mean, do you see a live adaptation? Uh, you know, whenever I hear that things like that are coming out, I'm always a little hesitant. You know, I'm always Maybe. keeping my fingers yeah. crossed. Well, so we'll have Come to on, see. Well, Brendan Fraser is the robot guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be good. I mean, if, if they do it well, it, it could be done well. But, um, but yeah, some of those, some of those BC D list characters I've always had a, I've yeah. always had a soft spot for them. And, and one final one I want to mention is I've always had a thing for green arrow for some reason. Okay. Oliver Queen. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Definitely. How do you like arrow the show? Uh, generally I do, although, um, I think that the first, I, I don't think I've watched anything past the fourth season. I heard it's not good. After the fourth, I was like, I'm done with this show. You know, I heard that too. And yet <laughs> yeah. it's now on for like it's seventh season. It's back. Don't so know why. A, a lot of people are apparently <laughs> watching it. I guess I should watch it uh, and see why. I don't know. Okay. So this is the deep heavy hitter question I got here. Okay. Want to take a sip. Take a sip. All right. Um, so what themes or values from those characters do you attach yourself to? Themes or values? Like, why do you like those characters? What about them? Can you, can you relate to and attach traits from? Okay. Well, Superman, I really like, uh, just because, because of the, the, for the very thing that people criticize him for. And that's because he's, and I've heard again, <laughs> other people said that because he's the big blue boy scout, boy scout, number one. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there has, unlike anybody else, I, I have no problem with these cynical characters and uh, things like that. Actually a couple, I forgot to mention one of my favorite characters has always been, um, Sinestro. Oh yeah. That's um, a good character. Because, because he's a complex character. He's yeah. a villain, but his motivation is much more complex. He thinks than, he's the hero. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, so I've, I, and I've always enjoyed those kind of characters as well, but 
there needs to be somebody who basically always stands for what's right. And, uh, you know, and that's Clark. Superman. Yep. Uh, so I've always uh, really, you know, really been kind of drawn to that. And there was a time when... Um, when I was younger, just before I kind of got out of reading comics around my time, so they were trying to make Superman a little bit, you know, less um, upstanding in some of the stories. More I, gritty, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it was like, actually, I didn't care for it. You know, yeah. with some other characters, fine. <laughs> Batman, that works. But, yeah, oh, definitely, uh, it's Batman. Yeah, but, uh, but Superman, no, that's, that's not Superman. It's just not Clark if he's not doing the right thing. Exactly. You know, it's just... So, so that's what I look up to with, uh, you know, with those. So some of the others, a lot of times, and I think this may be why I've been drawn a lot of times to some of these more, uh, you know, downstream characters, not, not the big names, yeah. uh, is uh, just because of the, um, you know, the fighting against the odds, you know, prevailing sure. against the odds. You know, Dead Man's powers, for example, are, are pretty limited. Uh, but, mm. you know, but when he's able to overcome and he's able to, right. uh, you know, uh, defeat whatever you know sure. opponent he's fighting you know there's there's something to that yeah. you know he's uh uh he's prevailing against the odds green arrow you know somebody who um you know has no powers like batman yep. you know and yet is Makes able to by his own skill you yeah. know make it work so i've always found though too like when you have those b lister and c listers and they're either in a story arc or they have their own title or even part of a team those tend to be the more personal stories since yes. they don't have to be the ones saving the day, the Superman, the Batman, fighting the big threats. They can tell a more personal, intimate story, and you get to know that character a little bit better. Yes. So, Oh, I sense. agree. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about comic stories, the ones that I'm drawn to, are ones where... Um, Ones where there's a lot of character development. Yeah. Uh, ones where you do get to know the characters, yeah. and that may be why. Well, day in the said, life, I get to see who these people actually are. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there have been some stories that people have recommended to me that I've read, and I where I would read the story, and it's like, okay, I I appreciate what this person's doing, and and yes, their basic idea is uh, is good. But as I was reading through issues, it'd be like, but this but I'm not getting to know this character. Yeah. I'm not getting to know the relationships this character is having with other sure. characters. Just going through the motions. Right. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. there's all this action going on and that's all fine, but I but I don't know who this person is right. and why I should care about it. <laughs> you just punch X thing X, punch thing Y, saves the day, cool. Exactly. Who, but who are you? Yeah, that, that's yeah. A good And so those interpersonal relationships, that's a, that's a really important part of, I think, any story. I mean, yeah. and that's what I'm drawn to, whether it's a comic book, a TV show, you know, a book, a, a movie, whatever yeah. it yeah. might be there's got to be those relationships well that's there. probably why the tomasi gleason run is so acclaimed because oh, it's yeah. like the family building of clark kent you exactly know? and even stuff like tom king's vision that's why people because vision's family and you break it down who vision actually is stuff like that it's like people really love oh yeah mm -hmm. the tomasi and gleason the whole the the main part whatever superman was doing the main part of that story was the relationship between superman lois and john right i mean that was that was the core of that story and it was great yeah lots of people seem to love it because yes. probably of that specific reason exactly all right so that was actually that's a that was a tough question sometimes i think mm -hmm. <laughs> um so what would you say would be some of or not some of let's, let's let me pull that back what would you say is your favorite comic issue and or moment in an issue if you had to pick one or two Ooh. okay um, like this something is... that stands like i go to that every time okay um despite the fact that i um i had my issues with the way that superman was written no in pun the, intended yes <laughs> with in the new 52 um 
and and I don't think there were there was a lot of good Superman storytelling that went on in the New Fifty Two. Even Jeff Johns kind of like eh. Um, mm-hmm. The story arc that was the that's called the Last Days of Superman. Yeah, was great. Is that Gene Yang who did that? Who did that? I I he may have. He may I'd have yeah. to go back because he, he was towards the end there. Yeah, yeah. and. There was an issue in there uh, where, which is devoted to Superman going and telling um, Lana Lang that he's dying. And hmm. that was a fantastic issue. There was not really any kind of superheroics. It was just the two of them talking having and having a conversation about the fact that he knows he's dying and, and all that. And I won't be here much longer. <laughs> right. And it was an incredibly touching story. I actually, I actually cried reading that wow. particular issue. Hey, um, when it gets it you, was, it gets you. Yeah, it was just fantastic. And so that is an issue that really stands out to me. Despite all the other stuff that went on in the New Fifty Two, that yeah. was a fantastic, um, a fantastic issue. Another one that that I loved um, talking about Gene Yang was in yeah. uh, was in um, New Superman. Yeah, um, where he did something that really blew me away because I was not anticipating this. Um, of course, you know, New Superman, Kong Keen, and he had right. this uh, this mentor, Master I Ching. Yeah, and at the end of one of those stories, Master I Ching is talking, and you turn to the last page, and it shows. A, uh, a full page spread of an exact copy of Detective Comics number one's cover. And the thing about Detective Comics number one is the cover was this um, Asian character named um, Chin Lung, who was this very stereotypical, like, Chinese villain, very racist. Yeah, yeah. And well, to what? have Gene Yang 30s. pull up with that and Master I Ching say, I'm that guy. You know, was when I turned to that last page, I was like, oh my gosh, you have got to be kidding. That's super meta. It's like it inside is. the book, inside the book. Yeah. And it was like, and I remember even reading an, uh, an interview with him where he said, you know, a lot of people were, when he said he was going to do this, a lot of people were saying, you can't do this. I mean, you yeah. know, you think about how racist this this was. This story, you know, oh. back in Detective Number yeah. One, and he said no. He said DC in Rebirth wants to take all of their history into account. He said, and I'm going back to the beginning, Number One, <laughs> to take it all into account. And it was that was a really, uh, you know, just kind of a really. Um, I don't think you get much uh, throwback besides DC yeah. Number One. <laughs> So that was uh, that was something that really uh, that really jumped out at me. That's pretty cool. Um, so uh, and I don't I don't even remember what issue that was in exactly, but uh, it's but only it's really there in something. the 40s on that series, right? Somewhere around there. So um, well, yeah, but um, oh, oh. that one uh, <laughs> they ended up they finally ended that one. But, Did it end? Okay, yeah, but it was early. It was one of the earlier okay. issues. So uh, it was rebirth. Oh, yeah, below, it below number ten. Um, so those are a couple of more recent things that have uh, that have really jumped out at me that uh, just kind of you know impressed me yeah. you know, kind of knocked me off memorable my yeah bit. yeah very memorable I like like you brought up Sinestro a minute ago and I remember last week when Jonathan and I did ours I was brought up the the moment where Sinestro and Hal are talking at the end of Jeff Johns run that one always gets me where he's just like were we ever friends and he's like yeah that's a sad thing we were always friends you know that it's like, was. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I remember that. That <laughs> yeah. was that was also a uh, between Hal and Sinestro. Yeah, one. Just, 
And one thing too that I've always enjoyed there's uh, this was more on the uh, on the amusing side, but it was one that I really enjoyed was the I, I mentioned earlier Apocalypse Owls uh, creation yeah. of Michael uh, J Michael Straczynski, and. Um, and in that one, there's this scene where basically Apocalypse Al, she's a private detective, but she's she's part of this long line of people that's trying to stop the end of the world, essentially. Okay. And so there's this guy who's trying to bring about the end of the world, and this demon comes to her, and she thinks that the demon is there to stop her. Um, but the de- but they have this conversation that's just hilarious. The demon says, no, we're not here to stop you. He says, why would we want to bring about the end of the world? We know what happens to us when the world ends. He goes, oh. right now, we got it pretty good. <laughs> he says, here's what I do. He goes, I sleep in, I get up, I have a nice breakfast, I go out, I corrupt a few souls, <laughs> and then I go looking for a nice place to have lunch. Because he goes, life's actually pretty good. And That's they funny. have this whole conversation about how, no, we don't want to stop you. We want to help you. Yeah. And the world prevent- needs to keep going. I yeah. can't corrupt people if there's you no know, people. And it's just, it's, uh, it's just uh, like a couple of pages of yeah. just some hilarious conversation That's that pretty really good. out at me. That's pretty good. And then one more, um, yeah. because this is one that Roger recommended to me that I wouldn't have read otherwise. I came into the okay. shop one day. <laughs> And Roger said to me, Larry, I, I know you're a DC guy, but I got this Marvel comic that I think you should read. I think you'd really like it. Yeah. And again, this is the kind of thing Roger does. He said, <laughs> he gave, he said, here's my reading copy. He goes, you take it home and you read it. And then, you know, you bring, it, bring back. it back when you're done. Yeah. And uh, let me know what you think. Well, it was, um, it was Thor, God of Thunder, number one. <laughs> and the, not only was it a great issue, but the last, um, the last panel where where um you know old thor old man um, thor yeah, yeah <laughs> is is uh decides that he's going to you know he's just going to give it all to uh to beat gore the god butcher who he didn't know his name yet yeah. but uh you know and he just uh you know grabs his sword and his hammer and he starts trying he's just charging into battle that was uh that was also a great scene that that yeah. sold me it was like yeah definitely i don't care if i'm a dc guy <laughs> you're putting this on my that, pull list the whole god butcher arc i don't think it gets much better than that oh that has <laughs> got to be one of the best story arcs yeah, ever. And yeah, just anything that's up there. Jason Aaron did a fantastic yeah, job of that. Isad Ribic is a fantastic. Oh he's, my he's, gosh, like, he's yes. so good. I can't. That's another good series. Even like that Thor series, even though it has never been as good as God Butcher, it has still been consistently good throughout his entire run. Jason mm-hmm. Aaron has done a fantastic job with Thor. Yeah, he is a, he is a great steward of the Thor mythos. Yeah, it's been really great. Okay, so this is a double question. Uh, what are some of your favorite past series, and what are some of your favorite current series? Okay, past series. Um, well, let's see. Uh, like I said, I, I always love Swamp Thing, and Swamp so Thing. some. Did past you like Swamp was it Alan Moore? Like right? Yeah. Um, originally. Um, uh, well, actually, originally it was uh, uh, Len Wine and Bernie Wrightson. Len Wine, right? But uh, who, doesn't Alan Moore have like the, the definitive story arc? Or something? Yeah, yeah, he he did have some in there. That was later, but I've always loved some Swamp Thing stuff. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I I want to mention some things that uh, that I haven't heard much because these are kind yeah. of my own things. Do it. Um, I mentioned uh, J. Michael Straczynski. He had a series called Sidekick that right. was absolutely fantastic it wasn't an ongoing it was uh you know it was a maxi series but oh it was fantastic so like Um, one trade or two trades uh, it was two trades two trades and uh it was about this uh this superhero um named red cowl 
Red Cow. Yeah, they even talk yeah. about in there how their names were stupid. Yeah. But Red Cow, <laughs> and he has his teenage sidekick, Flyboy. And uh, how Red Cow um, ends up getting assassinated. But you find out later that he staged it. He just wanted to get out of being a hero. He was tired of it. And okay. so... Um, and so Flyboy goes through a rough time after that because he's just the sidekick. He vows he's going to find the, the killers of Red Cowl and all that, but um, you know everyone kind of thinks he's a joke, and he ends up basically going crazy. And as okay. part of going crazy, he finds out that he's a lot more powerful than he ever thought, that basically Red Cowl was <clears throat> manipulating him to keep him from discovering how powerful he really was. Huh. And uh, so he... So, he ends up finding out that Red Cowl was probably alive, and his mission changes from finding the killers of Red Cowl find to finding Red Cowl and killing him. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and it's a great – just watching this guy go crazy. And that's Straczynski, is, uh, That's Straczynski, right? yeah. A great story. That sounds kind of cool. It, How old it, is this? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm wanting to say it was probably five years ago, maybe. Okay. Um, and another one that Straczynski wrote that I thought was great was one called Ten Grand. It's Heard about um, ten grand. Was about a um, a guy who's uh, essentially um, a mob hitman, but he meets a woman, falls in love, and decides he doesn't want to be in that life anymore. So he goes okay, and redemption tells, story. Yeah. yeah, he goes and tells his boss, "Hey, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I want to leave this life. I want to get married. Yeah. You know, have a Clean normal life." Attic. And his his boss tells him, "Hey, I understand. I just got one more job for you to do." But what? Has ha what happens is that the boss has set it up. He has put a hit on him. <laughs> yeah, essentially, he ends up. Um, he and his uh, his fiance end up getting killed. Um, but what happens is that while he's dying, angels come to him, and they tell him, "Here's the deal: your fiance, she's already dead. She she was a great person. She's going to heaven." You are about to die, and guess what? That's not where you're going. You're not, you're not going up, buddy. <laughs> but we'll make a deal with you. If you agree to do jobs for us, then <laughs> now we he's in the will, angel mafia. <laughs> yes, we will. We will bring you back to life. Okay, we'll keep you from dying. And here's what will happen: every time you die while performing one of these jobs for us, <laughs> you'll be able to go to heaven and spend five minutes with your fiance. Then we'll send you back to earth alive again, and you'll continue working for us. Is and, there no uh, end game? It just you just keep going. Like well, the basically he's kind of hoping that he'll eventually have enough good deaths that he'll end up being able to stay in heaven stay. with her. But the ten grand comes from the fact that he um, that in between times when the angels have jobs for him to do, he's got to do something. So he does jobs for other people, um, like private detective type jobs, and okay. he charges ten grand. And okay. the reason he charges ten grand is because he says ten grand is enough that someone only someone who's really serious will hire you but it's not so much that someone who's in need can't get the money together to 10, 000, uh, yeah. to hire you so huh. so it was an interesting series which um, I think it was 11 issues and he said that he was going to take a break and then he was going to continue telling this story. Yeah. He was just going to do oh, it. Oh, it didn't end? Yeah. It, it didn't completely end, but um, then that was when, you know, he had his health issues and ended up, okay. you know, dropping out entirely of comics, so he never continued it, but that was a, oh, that but that was a, that was a that great was series. Good. That, that sounds a, cool. Another past one that I, uh, that I really enjoyed, in addition to cool. some of the other ones sure. that, uh, um, that I have, uh, that I've already mentioned. And what would you say some of your favorite current books? Um, well, uh, let's see. 
Um, well, we mentioned Jason Aaron's Thor. I mean, yep. Jason Aaron writing Thor is great. Um, yep. Just about anything written by Jeff Lemire, I'm going to enjoy. That uh, man is crazy. He writes like eight books a month. Yeah, I, I know it's ended, but Descender was fantastic. Absolutely oh loved my, it. I just finished it. It yeah. was fantastic. It was, it was fantastic. so good. Like the whole last arc was so good. Right, and one of the things I love about Lemire is the fact that you know, I mentioned that it's the relationships, the interpersonal relationships that make that make a story good. He is so good at him that. and Remender are good at that. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, so that's something good. And then Remender, yeah. um, most of the stuff that Remender writes, I think, is uh, is great. <laughs> yeah. So um, so just pick anything Remender's currently writing. I didn't like Tokyo Ghost a lot. Uh-huh. That one was all right. I have to admit, I did not read that one. Oh, okay. So I, I think I read the premise, and it was kind of like, yeah, uh, right. I'm not so sure, so I never picked it up. And I've never read Deadly Class, but I've read everything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadly Class. That's another one I haven't actually read. Although yeah. Everybody who has read it has said it's, it's, it's really great. Good. When I when I met him, I told him that. I was like, I'm basically reading everything that you put out except Deadly Class. And he, he was telling me. The people who like Deadly Class are really into Deadly Class. Right. And the people who aren't necessarily into it, like me, myself, kind of like everything else. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But no, and I don't want to repeat what has already been said, but um, again, anybody who's not reading um, Mr. Miracle, you're missing out on one of the best comics. Tom King. That's out there right now. Um, and It's about to end, isn't it? Yeah, it's one more close. issue, two more mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. Um, but again, Tom King is another one that I think has written some really good stuff. Sheriff of Babylon, which yeah, was a couple really of years good. ago, yeah. but uh, but fantastic stuff. So um, so yeah, that would be that would be some of the current stuff. In addition to some stuff, some of the stuff I've already mentioned. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to hit some new things. Okay, uh, recommend me three books: one Marvel, one DC, and one indie. And if you can, do ones that we haven't talked about already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, if this you should, can. This, yeah. Okay, so um, well, for Marvel right now, I'm not really reading much Marvel, but I'm but I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say. Um, anything that has Thor and Jason Aaron in it. There you That's go. That's a solid pick. Yeah. I mean, you can't uh, really go wrong there. Right. DC. Um, if I had to pick one from DC. To recommend to somebody. Yeah. Right. Um, hmm. I know it's tough. There's so many good books. <laughs> there are a lot of good books out there. Um, and uh, now are we talking ongoing, um, limited it could be a series? It could be like limited. It could be a one shot. It could be ongoing, whatever you want it to be. So if you want someone to pick up one DC book right now, what book would that be? You know what? I would recommend if someone wanted to pick up one DC book, I would recommend picking up Doomsday Clock. Um, yeah. reason for that is that I think that Doomsday Clock is going to have a big effect on the overall DC universe. I think it is. And so as a result, I think that's a, that's a good place to kind of jump in if you're not familiar Even with it like, right now. What about for me? Like I've talked to a lot of people about this, but you probably know best. I've never read Watchmen. I've seen the movie. Okay. I need to rewatch the movie, but <laughs> should I read Doomsday Clock? Um, yes, I, I think... If you're familiar, if you've seen the movie, you're familiar yeah. with the characters, and I so movie, yeah. I, I think yeah. that um, anybody who's familiar with the characters, whether you've actually read Watchmen or not, I think can understand what's okay. going on. Because it's not just all Watchmen; it's no. Half and plus, and half. There's, plus right. there's the new characters. You know, right. you've got uh, the new Rorschach. You've got, uh, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Marionette. Yeah, and, Marionette. And stuff, and, right. You know, and all that. So you've got some new characters in there as well. So I don't think it's necessary to. Uh, to actually have read Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it helps. Yeah. 
Uh, but I mean, it's been a long time since I read Watchmen, and yet I didn't have any any trouble, okay. you know, figuring out what Maybe was going I'll, on. Maybe I'll go back and give the movie a watch because I just bought it a couple weeks ago, and I haven't watched it in, since it came out. What was that? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, somewhere around. There? Oh, it's it's yeah, been a while. It's only 10 yeah. Years. Now, do you have the director's cut? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's on my iTunes. I need to go check. <laughs> because uh, my son and I, we went and watched Watchmen when, when it first came out. Yeah. And then um, they had a limited release of the director's cut in theaters, and we went back to see it. There know. are some great scenes in the director's cut okay. that get cut out of the movie. Like, it's already, what, two hours and 50 minutes of the director's cut? like... 320? It's three something, yeah. <laughs> um, but there, especially, um, there's. I, remember the part when Rorschach goes to prison? And, Vaguely. Yeah, and he's getting interviewed by a psychiatrist in okay, prison. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the director's cut, that's a much longer scene, and Rorschach has just some hilarious lines in there okay. that uh, that are great. I don't know. Well, it went on sale. When I see them, I have a list, and when they go on sale, I'm like, oh, I got it. You know, yeah. so I, it might have been the director's cut, it might not have been. It's not that hard to find. And then uh, one indie book. Oh, right. I forgot. Mm, Didn't get to the indie book. Uh, IDW, Image, Boom, whatever you want to do. Um, Hmm. If my granddaughter was here, she would say My Little Pony because uh, she, that's her recommendation. That's her recommendation, yes, because she she told me, in fact, just the other day, she, we were talking and she said, Grandpa, I really like it when I when um, I come to your house and we go to the comic shop and get My Little Pony comics and then come back and read them of together. Course. So, uh, so that was cool. But um, I'm You're trying like, to, hey, I like that too. It's good. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one that I haven't um, that I haven't mentioned already. Ready. I'm um, sure there's some. You just they're, they're hard to think now that you're on the, you know, on the um, ball. Maybe, maybe Black Hammer. Jeff Lemire. Yeah, I haven't read that yet. I hear it's really good. Um, yeah, I, I'm not up with that one. I read the first trade. I need to read that. Yeah, yeah but um, no. If, yeah. If correct me if I'm wrong, it's Black Hammer Volume One and Volume Two, and then now he's doing a third volume, but they're all one shots of extra characters. I believe. Yes. Okay, yeah, I believe yeah. so. So the story will continue when he's done introducing this new wave or something. Yeah, which he tends to do. You remember in December he had some issues where the he kind of went off from the main. Yeah, the went off from volume? the main story yeah. and was telling like one shots. There was about a bandit one shot and yeah. yeah and, um, not Tim, uh, Andy one shot. And so, yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, something Lemire likes yeah. to do. He's such a good writer. I just don't understand because one of the books, too, he does, he draws every month. And then mm-hmm. from what I counted, he's writing at least six on top of the one he draws. <laughs> and then he has a new series occasionally. So it's yeah. like you're doing between six and eight books and you're drawing one of them every month. When do you sleep? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, that's I a lot of know. scripts. That's that like is. two scripts a week. Like, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. Yeah. Now, I, I could see someone doing that and turning out a bunch of crap. But it's you quality. Know? It's but all it is really good. good. <laughs> exactly. It's it all, is. It's all like either good or great. Yeah. Oh, you know one other thing that I would recommend um, for someone? And maybe this would be my recommendation okay. for yeah. DC uh, uh, if I can go back. For DC? Um, this is not one series. I would strongly recommend that people read the DC um, Earth One original graphic novels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are really good. For those who aren't familiar with them, they're kind of what DC does is they get like these really top-notch writers, but writers who've never written particular characters to come yeah. and write stories about those characters, kind of reimagining them. And uh, the last one to come out was the Green Lantern one. I'll tell you what, I read that one. Uh huh. 
I'll be damned if the Warner Brothers doesn't make that into the Green Lantern movie uh-huh. because that was an awesome story. Yeah. It was so good. The Earth One <laughs> stuff has been fantastic. Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman, incredible. I heard that was good. It was incredible. And with Grant Morrison, I'm always crossing my fingers because Grant Morrison is be either one way is or either the other. <laughs> is either fantastic or at the end you're going. What was that? I have no idea what I just read. Uh, Jeff Lemire does the Teen Titans. Jeff Lemire has done, I believe, two volumes of the Teen Teen, Titans. Um, And then there has been a couple of volumes of Batman that are really good. Jeff Johns. Yeah, and the thing about the Batman one is that they go back. Like in the first volume, they show Batman when he's first starting. And so it's kind of like a year one type thing. Year one, Earth one. It's when he's like testing out some of his equipment. It doesn't always work right. And uh, so a lot of really fun stuff in those Earth uh, one series. Straczynski did Superman, right? Straczynski did Superman. So that's, I don't know if they're going to get somebody else. Straczynski did three volumes of that. Um, The second volume was a little bit weaker, I thought. But the first and third were really good. Okay. Those are, man, they're really good. I really love the Green Lantern one. That was like, it was perfect movie. Like, it's a movie script. Like, yeah. So and, uh, and yeah, all that Earth One stuff has been really top notch. Okay. So this one can get a little tricky if you know names or not. So what are some of your favorite writers, artists, inkers, colorists, the actual people that make the comics? Okay. Well, writers are easy because yeah. I tend to be a person who follows writers. Like gotcha. most comic readers I tend to follow certain characters but in reality it's writers that I'm looking for so a lot of times if I'm looking at a you know a a solicit for an upcoming book um, I might read it and say eh that sounds okay and then I say oh wait a second Oh, look at that. X this person's writing yeah. it. Um, I think I might pick that up. And and I haven't been disappointed. But um, we already mentioned Jeff Lemire, one of my favorite writers. That's great. Um, and so really like him a lot. Um, another one I really like a lot is Gail Simone. Gail Simone. Um, did you read Domino? I, did she do Domino? I did not yeah. read, I did, did not read that. Did but, yeah. um, uh, of course, I read Clean Room. Uh, she did a, a six-issue miniseries, uh, Wonder Woman, Conan the Barbarian. That was really good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed that. that Almost everything. Technically... That's a Marvel DC crossover now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Technically. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, you know, she her Batgirl run in the New 52 was fabulous. Uh, and so Gail Simone is one yeah. I like a lot. Um, of course, uh, I mentioned Jason Aaron, yeah, uh, at least with Thor. Um, I haven't read a lot of his other stuff outside mm. of that. Um, actually, I'll take that back. Mm. I did read, because I liked Thor so much, I did start reading um, The God Damned. Okay. Um, and the first okay. few issues were pretty good, but after that, I don't know. It just I hear his indie stuff is hit or miss. The yeah, Marvel stuff is a lot better. The the his, the I would say about the first three or four issues were good, and then after okay. that, it began to be kind of. Eh. Did you read Southern Bastards? I did not read no, that. Okay. No. That's another one. I was like, I heard it was the same type of thing. It was either really good or not. Eh. Right. Um, so I'm trying to think of some of the other writers, writers. that I like, um, other than. Lemire, well, Rick Remender, of course, Rick Remender, uh, yep. would mention, would want to mention him. Oh, Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. Love Jonathan Have you Hickman. read his Avengers? I have not read his Avengers, but I've read. heard that, that is a Larry book. If like, I, cause I was reading it at the time I was actually pulling issues. Mm-hmm. That's weird for me. <laughs> but, um, looking back and I reread the whole thing from new Avengers, number one, Avengers, number one to the end of secret wars. It makes perfect sense as you're reading it, and it just it's so good. You need to read that. You really do. Okay. <laughs> I'll uh, definitely uh, definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Scott Snyder, kind of. 
Um, because, kind of? <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, Not Batman? Uh, or Batman, yeah? Well, Scott Snyder seems to be able, and I know Rogers mentioned this, he mm-hmm. seems to have some really good ideas for stories, but often doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have a, a, a way of ending them. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes his endings are a little bit weak, and he wrote the wake super weak ending. I did not like the ending. Yeah, of the, wake. Um, the uh, I, I read his magazine sized one that he did with Jeff Lemire, AD, AD. after yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. I really loved it, but again, thought it had a very weak ending. It was only three. Issues, it was three right? issues, yeah. but they're big and they're and, like fifty pages. Yeah, right, and a lot of it is text. Rather than, uh, rather than, uh, and he wrote panels. it, and Jeff Lemire did the art. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. so weird. <laughs> um, but uh, a great story, but um, again, kind of, kind of got weak at the end. But it's kind of like the thing about him is that I'll read some stuff, and there's some stuff that he does that it's like, oh, this is fantastic. Well, Court of Owls was fantastic. It was yeah, so good. It was, and then other times, <laughs> but like sometimes even in the same comic, I'll like read a page and go like, oh, this is great, and then the next page is like, huh, I wonder what he's doing here. <laughs> Um, I could see that, yeah, yeah. Like, that was how I felt about All-Star Batman, is that yeah. there were some great scenes in All-Star Batman, but at the same time, I don't know, it didn't really quite come I'm, together for I'm me. I'm actually reading that right now, and the whole idea of Two-Face being on the loose and this whole, like, heist across the country chasing him down seems really cool. But right. when I read it, I was like, that was okay. Yeah. You know, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, of course, you know, any. Most of the stuff that Jeff Johns writes is good. Um, another one yeah. that I like uh, Can't go wrong with Jeff Johns. is um, is Josh Williamson. He's been on it. Yeah, yeah um, he's been the on. The Flash it. has been really good. He also had some stuff that he did for Vertigo. Um, he did a series Never called heard. Frostbite. Never heard of that one. Um, that was really good. He did, um, did. Is he doing Birthright? Is that him? Maybe someone is else. it? Maybe. I think it's one. No, I don't think it's not. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. So those are some of my uh, some of the writers, writers that I okay. that I tend towards. Um, artists, now, artists, colorists, is, artists letterers. are a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, artists are a little bit more difficult. To be honest, it, it might seem strange for yeah. a for a comic book reader because art's such an important part. I don't yeah. pay that much attention to the artist. Okay. It's like I look at the book and either like it or you don't. <laughs> it's like the art either fits the story or it doesn't. And sometimes even an artist that it just fits one you know story really well yeah. doesn't then work on another type yep. of story yep. um like for example in descender it was uh, dustin win yeah was the artist there his art for descender was it fantastic fits it fit perfectly yeah. um and uh, the artist for low i mean his art fits low that the it's stylized beautiful. for the setting that they're in is just I, I couldn't see it any other way yeah <laughs> um but uh but it might not but those are really unique art styles which might yeah. not fit with everything else like, um, i don't for dustin win i don't think he could tell like an avenger story no, or a justice no, league that story would not you know? work. i don't think it would work wouldn't work yeah. no um, I, I tend to like when it comes to the more, I don't know, standard, like superhero type stuff. Yeah. Um, I tend not to like stuff that's too cartoony. More um, really like kind of like clay man style, like super yes. detailed, realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Cl- yeah clay mm. man would be one that I would definitely pick out, um, as one that I really like. Um, Jason Favok, I think does a really Favok. nice job. Um, and, uh, so those are the type, that's the type of art that I really okay. enjoy with that I, sort I, of thing. I, I, I'm the same. Like the more hyper detailed, super realistic, where they're not toony or abstract things going on. Yeah. When it's 
the it thing works. for the thing for me is that I'm really following the story, yeah. and the art just has to fit with the story for me in such a way that it enhances the story and helps tell the story. If the art is something that I'm having to overcome in order to follow the story yeah. because the art is kind of annoying me, <laughs> um, then I'm not going to be able to hang with that for very long. Like um, yep. like the Rebirth Supergirl. Um, okay. when they, when they did, and I, I don't remember who the artist was, but when they did the Supergirl rebirth issue, it was really good. And the art was fantastic. Oh, but it was only the one artist. It was yeah. only the one, only the one. And then the, uh, that same artist, I think did the cover for, Su for Supergirl number one. But then on the inside, it was the more cartoony style. And I was like, no, I hate that when not like, working for me. they get you sold on the cover. Like, Oh, this yeah. is really good art. And the inside's a different <laughs> artist. You're like, Oh, this is good, but it's not what I was expecting it to be. You got me. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to have to agree with Johnny. It does annoy me when they switch artists in the middle of a story, and so you get different artists in the book, unless yep. there's a reason for it. Right, unless it's like flashbacks or something. Exactly, yeah. if it's like, because now this is something that they did in, um, I mentioned it before, Invisible Republic, yeah. where the although it was actually the same artist, um, they went with... Um, they went with a different um, inking and coloring style in the flashback pages than in the um, okay. uh, than in the other ones, and so yeah. um, and so it really fit the way yeah. that they did it. And so when they when they switch artists in a way that really fits with the story, then that's fine. Yeah. But when it's like you're reading along, and all of a sudden you turn a page, and it's like. These the, they don't look the same, right? The artist just couldn't keep up with the schedule, so they got someone else to fill in. Yeah, that's normally what happens. Then, then that that bugs. Yeah, me. no. Even if the artists uh, are good, it's just the it's just that the flipping tone the page shift, and yeah. yeah, finding that tonal shift and it'd be like, I feel like I'm reading a different story now because the secondary artist might not give perspective the same way the primary artist did. Right. And so it's like, even though the story didn't change, it's like it's not the same. Yeah. So. And for me, the inking and the coloring kind of. Um, you know, I don't pay much attention to who's doing that. Again, okay. it either fits or it doesn't. Right. I have a few that I like that I've talked about on mine just because when I recognize, I can recognize them when there's this specific color or this specific inker because they've done a few books I really liked and I've got their name. Uh -huh. And so when I see them now, I'm like, oh, that's the guy, right? And I check, like, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. And it's how they have one specific unique style that I, I gravitate towards. So it's just, it's, it's, I don't know, everyone teach their own. You know, you like what you like. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. So no other names you could think of for like the people that make the comics. Um, no, those are the ones that uh, that come to my that come to my mind. You know, okay. off the top of my head right now. Anyway, gotcha. All right, so we're gonna shift away. Still talk about comics, but different forms. Um, how do you feel about comics kind of taking over current media? Well. I've actually thought a lot about this because <laughs> comics are based on everything is based off of comics, right. movie, TV, anything, podcast. Um, as a comic fan. There's a part of me that loves it, yeah. But there's also a part of me that is hesitant about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the part that's hesitant about it is the part of me, and and, and I'm not going to say well because sometimes it's not done well because that's most of the time it is. Yeah, yeah. most of the time it is, and mm. inevitably, if there's enough mm. of it out there, some of it's going to be good, some of it's not yeah. going to be so good. But it's just that I am worried about. Um, about it getting so saturated 
that people eventually, yeah. you know, just get tired of it. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, there was a time, I mean, in the 50s and 60s, if you went to the movies, there was all kinds of westerns out there, you know. And, it was. <laughs> yeah, and after a while, people got tired of it, and then the westerns yeah. pretty much disappeared. They don't really exist too much these days, right. you know. Um, there was a time in the movies where science fiction pretty much disappeared uh, because there was a lot of it for a while, then it kind of disappeared, then it came back. Um, and so it concerns me that it's going to, at some point, reach a point where people are going to say, you know what, I'm tired of, of all this stuff. And we're, we're going to be at the pinnacle eventually, you know? You yeah. Go, and so yeah. there's a part of me that's kind of like, oh, you know, is this sustainable? And in fact, there's a part of me that says, actually, it's not. Because it's when you're not. talking about pop culture, nothing it's is sustainable. Not. It's, it's impossible. There's yeah. no way. So I guess the attitude I should take is I'll just enjoy it while it's here. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, when it uh, when it's gone, it's gone. Um, the one thing about it that concerns me, I don't, maybe concern isn't the right word, maybe disappoints me, yeah. is the fact that comic books are so, um, so ubiquitous in, in movies and TV and things like that, and yet it doesn't translate to sales of comic books. It's very weird. Um, so that's the that's the part that I I, I wish that it did that it did. Yeah, you know, me too. That that people would say, oh, you know, and I know there's a few people that that does happen with. Yeah, but for but most people, they go, they watch the movie, one percent of the TV people, show, yeah. and and they're good with that. Um, and you know, I understand that. I mean, everybody has their own thing, but I just wish it would it would result in in yeah. higher sales. I mean, yeah, because you think about it, it's like the people that saw Infinity War. And the amount of people that saw the movie then went to go buy the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Right. Probably 1% of people, if that. Yeah. You know, like, I, I never exactly. hear, I didn't hear any stories about that story selling out everywhere, you know, like. Mm -hmm. just, and yet with other it media, is. it does. I mean, you think about the people that, I mean, obviously, like the Harry Potter books, they're obviously yeah. incredibly popular before they yeah. made movies out of them. But I knew lots of people that had never read a Harry Potter book, went and saw movies, and then went back and bought the Harry Potter books. Yeah. You know, so the movies actually seem to spur the sales of those books. I think books. also just because comic books still to this day even have that stigma of being a nerd thing. And they're they're for losers, and they're not like right. like overall like accessible to everyone, which they really are. There's a comic for everyone, anything you could think of, and oh, so I is. think th just b having that stigma, even to this day, even how big comic book movies are, people still look down and frown upon on reading comic books. No, I mm. I, I think you're right. Mm. Uh, there is that stigma there, and mm. I mean. To a certain extent, I don't understand that because comic books have really been adult material for over 40 years. Yeah. You know, the so it's been decades where comic books have been geared more towards really adult readers than they yeah. even have been towards kids. Or even just all ages. Right. You know, like yeah. most books are all ages books. I mean, I remember back in the 70s uh, reading an article where they were – interviewing comic shop owners when yeah. you know and um, and comic shop owners saying things like you know the comic industry has really changed they were saying things like if every one of my customers who's under the age of 18 stopped buying comic books today it would hurt my income but i'd survive if everyone over the age of 18 stopped buying comic books today i'd close my doors You'd be out of business yeah and uh, and so it's been a really long time that it's it's been geared you know whereas there's been stuff 
and I don't want to say maybe geared towards adults, but there's been a lot of very adult-appropriate material, as well as stuff. I, yeah. I think sometimes there needs to be more stuff for kids. I'd like to see more kids getting into it. Um, Reading but, is good. Yeah, but there's <laughs> but there's something for every age yeah, out there. every age. And yeah. every taste. I mean, do you like science fiction? There's, sci- there's it, some great it science fiction books. doesn't even have to books. be... You can take out superheroes. There's still yeah. a book for everyone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You like horror? There's some great horror books. Mm-hmm. You like mystery. You like, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. There's a book for you out there. And I even we put comic book. Comic books are still books. They're still reading. So if you want to get your reading quota, feel like you're actually doing something. Comic books are books. Yes. And <laughs> if if you and if you want something that makes you think and uh, you know, I mean, pick up anything by Jonathan Hickman. You're going to have to. Well, <laughs> Black Monday Murders is a very yes, adult book. That's you are can... you are going to have to really think about what's going on there. <laughs> this, this is this is not uh, not fair for the uh, you know for the empty head. I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay. So out of all these adaptations we're talking about, what is your favorite comic book adaptation to date? Okay. I might want to clarify this question a little bit. When you say comic book adaptation now, do you mean like a comic book movie or TV show that is taken, say, directly from or, you know, somewhat directly from a comic book story or one Mm -hmm. that just uses those characters? anything of the sort they take a comic book character or storyline and they change the form of that medium from the story that it's based off of okay i think my own personal opinion yeah best comic book based movie although it wasn't based on any particular story yeah uh best comic book movie using comic book characters is still dark knight that's a good one (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) Oh my gosh, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker is yep. classic. Well, that like, is incredible. You can take out of take the take that movie, take out everything DC comics related, and it's still a movie that works. Yes. That's why it's so good. Yeah. So that would definitely be uh, be my favorite one. Now there are uh, you know, some of the movies I, I really enjoyed. Uh, the first two Iron Man movies that were really good. Um, you know, okay. <laughs> um, I, I would, you know, uh, I I really enjoyed um, uh, the first two Captain America movies. Winter Soldier is amazing. It, <laughs> that was a really good movie. Um, I, I liked the first Avengers movie a lot. Uh, okay. You know, so there was a lot of movies out there that yeah. I that I really enjoyed. Um, and but but Dark Knight would Dark definitely Knight. be that's the a one good that pick at the top that's... of my list. I don't think anyone's picked that. I don't remember what Jonathan picked. I don't have to go back and listen to that. Because he hasn't seen Infinity War, so he couldn't have picked Infinity War. Right. I don't know. That's a good one, though. Okay, so if you could have any job in the comic industry, what would it be and why? Well, this one I thought about because I've heard everyone else talk about <laughs> yeah. it. But I'm going to give probably an answer that's very similar to theirs, and that would be yeah. editor. Um, right. I, I want to be the guy in charge of putting the book together? Right. First of all, if you have ever seen me draw anything, you would immediately <laughs> know Larry is not going to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is just uh, that is just out there. My dad was a great artist, really? actually, okay. and somehow the gene did not come down to <laughs> me. <Yeah>. No, <laughs> stick figures all the way. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, uh, so not artist and writer. I mean, I would enjoy being a writer. Uh, I think it's just that. Um, I honestly don't know if I could be creative enough on a consistent because I mean with comics it's not only that you need to be creative but you need to be creative on a deadline and (laughs) uh, you know I might have some good ideas for stories but I'm not sure I could come up with them and crank them out on a monthly basis. Well, also editor is the more 
mathematical position if i yes. can put it like that you know you're a one plus two equals a comic you know <laughs> yes plus as an editor i would be able to i i i would be able to read all the comics that are underneath <laughs> yeah. my, that you're are under editing my control scripts, yeah exactly pages so that are, would yeah. be that would be really cool i i i would love sitting down and and uh, you know, having meetings with the uh, with the writers and the artists, and what's going you know, on, talking guys? About yeah, stuff like that. You know, getting uh, I, I'm not that creative myself, but I love talking to creative people and and uh, no, you know, I get you. Yeah. hearing what they have to say. Okay, and then if you could write any comic that is currently being published, what would it be? So if you had to pick one title that you had a story to tell, what title would that be? Oh wow. Um, and see, you knew the questions too. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I've thought about it. And then you come in here and it's like, well, you know, I'm not sure. Um, if I could pick one comic of all the ones out there, you know, um, even though I'm a, uh, even though I'm a DC guy, I would actually probably pick Thor. You, you think you could tell a Thor story? I think I could tell a Thor story um, just because of the fact that, I, I've always kind of, uh, you know, I've always really enjoyed that character. Um, at when least enjoyed that character when it's done right. When it's done right, he's really good. Yeah, and especially um, when they, and there's been times in Thor's history where they haven't really done this, but um, in the times in Thor's history where they really take the whole, uh, you know, Norse mythology background into account and, you know, tell stories that involve all that. Right. Do you prefer Norse mythology over Greek mythology? Um, I don't know if I prefer it, but it's, uh, it's maybe a little bit more interesting to me just because yeah. of the fact that I, I heard Greek mythology, you know, all my life pretty much. And it wasn't until much yeah. later that I began hearing any of the Norse mythology right. stories. It doesn't get so, told as often as Greek. Right. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit less familiar with them. And as a result, they, uh, they're a little bit more interesting to me. You know. If you were to play video games, I would tell you to play God of War because, man, that's a game. Uh -huh. And it's all Norse mytho mythology. And it's, it's I, I want to say, it's like probably the best game I've ever played. Yeah. And it's so good. The other thing that's got me really interested in Norse mythology e even more recently is, um, this has nothing to do with comic books, but yeah. the TV show Vikings. I hear it's good. Oh, it's excellent. And the thing is that one of the things I really love about the show is that they do something that many shows don't do, and that is that um, the Vikings, a lot of people don't realize this, but their religion was extremely important to them. Yeah. They, they really lived out their religious beliefs. Yeah. Um, it was like one of the people, the guy who's the, the writer of the show said, to the to the Norse people, to the Vikings, the gods weren't these faraway beings. Right. They were there with them, right? You know, fighting they, the battles they fought. Right? <laughs> they were. They saw the gods everywhere in nature and things like that. In 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 the animals, you know, they they saw the gods. Yeah. And so, you know, this was very important to them, which was one of the reasons why the Vikings were one of the last peoples in Europe to actually give up their you know religion and convert to Christianity. They did much later than most other people. Makes sense when you're when you're God is standing next to you drinking beer and he's relatable you know? right and um and so 
and so because of the fact that they they show the importance of that in that yeah. in that TV show, um, they have a lot of discussions about their religion and and what would the gods want me to do. That's pretty cool. And things like that, and so mm-hmm. and they tell a lot of the stories, and so um, and so that's actually made it more interesting to me as well. So um, what, so I've really been interested that, in. I their think mythology. it might be on Netflix, but what channel is that on? Like what? It's on the History Channel. History Channel. Um, but yeah, you can. Um, I, I think you can. I think it's on Netflix. I think it is on Netflix. Yeah. And there's a new one on Netflix called like Norsemen. Have you seen that? I, was, I have not I was, seen that one, no. It's brand new. Or maybe it says two seasons. I was, I was thinking about maybe watching that because it's more Norse mythology stuff. And I was yeah. like, hmm. If you're interested, I do have... Um, I do have the first four seasons of Vikings, but I've got the um, I've got the unrated, okay, uh, the unrated one. So basically, all the scenes that they cut out uh, to be able to show it on the History Channel yeah. are, are then included because it has to be PG on History Channel, yeah, right? basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me check if it's on Netflix. I'll let you know about that because my Netflix log is already super packed up. Yeah, I understand, <laughs> but it's really, but I wanna, really good. That's, I love Norse mythology. It's super interesting, and it, and it is based on to a certain. I mean, it's a fictional story, of course, but it is based to some extent on real historical events. It's also based on um, a character named Ragnar Lothbrok, who is um, a, a, the subject of of uh, some of the sagas, um, okay. some of the uh, Viking sagas, and a character who. <clears throat> Is not actually a real historical character, but is based on on okay. a real historical figure. So somewhat fictional, somewhat non-fictional. Right, yeah. but but the thing is, they've gone to great pains to uh, to tell a good story, but at the same time to make it as authentic as possible. And that's what you said. Your number one is telling a good story, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've even gone so far, like you know. Um, like they'll they'll do things like because you know the Vikings you know lived the way they did they um, you know they try to you know, like put dirt and stuff on the people so that they look dirty but not too dirty because the Vikings actually bathed more often than people's they bathed but not like every day oh the right? Vikings <laughs> unlike other peoples in Europe the Vikings right. bathed once a week. No, <laughs> that's a good step up. <laughs> Most people in Europe at that time, at the Viking yeah. time, were bathing like twice a year. Oh my God, that just sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, and and for the Vikings, their um their appearance was very important. And when they went on raids, one of the things they would bring with them would be like combs and changes of clothes and right. things like that. Well, because of how they looked going into. Valhalla or whatever was important, right? They, yeah. And they, they yeah. wanted to make a certain impression on right. people. They wanted their hair to be a certain way. They wanted to look a certain way, you know? So, uh, that's, so it's yeah, interesting. It makes sense. I know we've gotten off comic books. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> this is, I knew this was going to happen. Like, that's just what it, what it comes down to yeah. on this show. But If you um, get a chance to watch Vikings, I highly recommend it. I'm going to try. <laughs> so that's why I would pick Thor. Okay. <laughs> that's right, right? <laughs> Thor. All right, so here's a quick fire round to round this out. Okay. Uh, single or trade? Single. Into your big two. Big two. Marvel or DC? DC. Of course. Uh, Golden Age classics or something more modern? Okay, I knew this was coming up. <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> You're like, I can't pick. <laughs> right. No, I can, but it, it sort of depends. Yeah. Um, when it comes to my own personal reading, um, if I'm reading something, you know, for pleasure, I'm just looking for a good story, yeah. then it's going to be modern. Okay. Um, because, you know... Some of the old classic stuff, when you read it, it's like, wow, I, I can't believe. Sometimes even stuff I read before, right. I was like, I read it and go, I can't believe I actually liked this when yeah. it first came it's, out. It's not good. It's right. Just, it but, is what it is. But the thing is, I love reading some of the older stuff for its um, 
for its historical value right. in the sense that when right. you're reading it, you're getting a picture of really what was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting to read the golden age stuff because it's a reflection of its time period. The silver age stuff is a reflection of its time period. Of course. So, you know, if it's something where um, that's what I'm looking for, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for something like, uh, you know, of historical value, something where I'm interested in, uh, you know, what does this say about what was going on at that time? I'm going to want to read that classic Seeing stuff. Seeing a piece of history. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. But if it comes, when when we're talking about just for my own personal Story reading time. pleasure, yeah, definitely gotcha. modern. Okay. And then uh, original graphic novel, miniseries, something short and contained or something ongoing? What do you prefer? That's, that's yeah. a tough one yeah. because they each have their place, and I enjoy yeah. all of those. But I probably enjoy the ongoings more okay. than anything Something else. Something that's story arc after story arc. Yeah. Oh. So if I had to – I would say the ongoings I'd give a slight nod to. All right. Well, thanks, Larry, for joining us here today on Origin Story. Um, that's all I got. You got anything else to add on here? Um no, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. I thank you for for having me here. I hope yeah, this was people a good enjoyed one. listening to this. I know sometimes I rambled a little bit. No, it's uh, good. I knew, like, I specifically knew this was going to go long just because you have good stories to tell. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of Origin Story. Again, you can get this show a month early by going to Patreon.com/slash All Star Comics Podcast. Subscribing to the $5 tier or higher or get it normally by subscribing to any podcast service of your choice. We'll see you guys next month with our next review. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, send me an email over at contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. See you guys later. Bye. Mm-hmm.